Hey, Rampa Bee viewers. This week we are continuing our universal design series. Last week we discussed universal design for learning and different ways that that can be implemented and, and exactly what it is. This week we are going to talk about a little bit of a more difficult issue in regards to universal design for safety and how to set up safe space for our students. I really hope that you take a minute to listen to this because it is very important to find ways that we can keep all of our students as safe as possible while they are in our classroom and encourage our students to be happy and to feel like your room is that safe space for them. I hope you are able to take something from this lesson and bring it into your practice. Let's get ready to grow, learn, implement, and include together. So most of my talks on this podcast are around strategies and ways to use technology to help create more independence and access for people with different abilities. Today is going to be a little different, like I said in the introduction. Last week I made an episode all about universal design for learning and how to implement it into your classroom to promote students' success with and without special needs. This week will be more of a difficult topic to discuss. I hope that you are able to take something from it, but I also want you to be aware of the topics we are going to discuss. We are going to discuss how to make students feel safe in events and drills. For example, fire drills, things that I have done previously in my practice to make those more successful for my students with special needs. And also, um, many schools are now doing active shooter drills and other drills to try to keep students safe, which can cause a lot of anxiety to staff and students. So really just trying to give you all some strategies to try to help during those events. I am not by any means a professional safety expert when it comes to school, but just some ideas that maybe can get you to start thinking about how you can make these drills less traumatic or anxiety-inducing for your students. So since I was younger, I always remember doing fire drills at school. That was something that I always had to do. Um, as I got into high school, we started to have to do lockdown drills but there was never an experience or anything ever called an active shooter drill while I was in school. Most of the time, it was a fire drill. As an adult and teacher, I completed fire drills in all four states that I have worked and lived in. These drills would have students practice a specific evacuation route with the alarms going off. Teachers are typically required to lock doors, bring attendance emergency sheets, or whatever your specific protocol for your school requires. By being a special education teacher, I found ways to adapt fire drills to be more tolerable to my students' sensory needs. 
I put headphones on a hook right next to the evacuation door. I had a go bag with small student fidgets and calming toys. We used social stories to discuss a fire drill and what it is. These changes in the way we handled the fire drill made it a much calmer experience for my students. And I encourage all educators to think of ways that they can adapt their fire escape plans to be a more sensory-friendly and anxiety-friendly experience for our students. For my students, the reason why I chose those different options were um, the loud noise of the fire alarm would often make a couple of my students very upset, and it would be a lot more difficult to get them out of the building. So giving them the option to go right to the door, which is where I want them to go anyway, grab those headphones and get out of that door is really helpful. It is also important to note, though, that if you're doing something like this, you make it a quick and fluid process. Like you don't want those headphones to be in a basket in the corner because the student is then going to go run and grab those headphones and take a longer time to get out of the building. So it's really important to kind of set it up so it makes sense so that those headphones are right next to your evacuation door. The same thing with a go bag, you want that right near that door so you can grab it and you can go along with any attendant sheets or anything that you might need to have with you or that your school requires from you. Your go bag would be set up differently depending on your students' needs, but some ideas to think about are some different fidgets that your students enjoy, um, even like squeeze balls or if your students enjoy Legos or different little things that your students can hold on to, play with, kind of give them some familiarity and get their minds focused on something different other than the unexpected event that just happened. Most fire drills at schools at least that I have worked at, uh, administration will give us a heads up on when they're happening. I, as a special education teacher, would always give my students a heads up as long as I knew that this event was happening. Our students can be very, depending on your student, uh, schedule-oriented, so that change in their schedule is going to upset them. And I know during a real-life event, they're not going to have the opportunity to know that it's coming or to look at their schedule, but while it is a drill, it is important that we are giving our students an idea that it is coming because that way I can more effectively plan for the students because I can create a social social story. The social story was really helpful because it allowed my students to ask any questions or concerns that they may have around the event and to practice before. We would practice um without regular fire drills as well. We would talk about where we would go and what we would need to do and some strategies that the students could use to stay calm while we had to wait outside. So, however, there are no longer just fire drills or depending on your location in the United States, I know there are some places that do shelter-in-place drills for tornadoes and other mother nature experiences. I had to do those while I was working in Florida. But unfortunately in today's 
world, many of our schools are now being required to practice lockdown and or active shooter drills. I have read several articles about how much anxiety these drills are causing students, especially in cases where the drills are taken to extreme levels. And there have been some crazy levels that, in my opinion, some administrations have taken to make them very realistic for staff and students. Um, Each administration has their own option to do what they feel is best for their students, but some of the things I've read, such as like staff in masks going to try to open classroom doors and even blanks being shot so that students can better identify the noise of a gunshot. Although, if you think about it, that seems helpful if you really think about it to understand the noise, but that, in my opinion, is such a potentially traumatizing experience for a student. Um, and and we don't know a lot of our students' backstories, so we don't know if our students have experienced some sort of gun violence before. So to shoot off a blank seems extreme in my opinion. Um, but like I said, this is just my opinion schools, if they feel like that is appropriate for their students, that is their decision. But there are ways that we need to help prepare our students for these situations. And they'll vary depending on what your administration deems appropriate on how to handle these situations. But I encourage you as teachers and special education teachers to really advocate for your students in these situations and to talk about best practices that you feel should be implemented in these style drills for your students. So most schools though, the drills are not as high intensity as I have just discussed. But apparently these are some of the things happening across schools in the United States in order to prepare kids for this type of incident. All schools are different and have different plans, but most of my past experience has involved, for example, the teacher needs to lock the door, we shut off all the lights and blinds if possible, you have the students go to a corner or hide behind a desk while an administrator goes around and checks to make sure all the doors are locked. That has been my general experience in several of the places that I have worked. I have always had some big concerns when it comes to my students with different abilities. One of the big things that is ingrained into us as staff and us as staff ingraining into our students is to be quiet. We are all supposed to be very, very quiet during these drills. However, keeping students quiet in a special education classroom, or even if you think of very, very young students, pre-K, elementary level students, it is very difficult to keep students quiet. And unfortunately, as 
often difficult without actually requiring some sort of restraint for a child. And no staff wants to have to restrain a child during an event like this and make it more traumatic for them. Now, during a drill, no teacher should ever, 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 ever restrain a child. It should be a lot of discussion and dialogue and visuals and helping students understanding that experience. But I've never been in a real situation where there's a real active shooter event. And me and I'm sure every other teacher is going to do what they need to do in order to best protect that child. And we want to avoid restraint at all costs. So I'm going to try to give some strategies that I have thought of that ways that could help benefit to help keep our students quiet and calm. Because the difficult thing is when you have partially verbal students or students that can just vocalize, making different noises, um, it is often hard for them to know that those noises are happening, especially if you have students that um, have various uh, diagnoses and maybe they are not, uh, don't have full access to their hearing and might have some hearing impairments. Uh, understanding their vocalizations and the volume of those can be difficult. So one thing for students that may have some hearing impairments to show them is there's some different apps that if you hold up or put somewhere, it, it kind of shows you the voice level. And if you get too high, some of them will do different things like the colors will, will turn really big or like the screen will almost look like it's breaking, like you're too loud. Those might be an option for your students who have some hearing impairments and that will help them regulate themselves to know how quiet they need to be. So that could be an option for you. But the sensory experience also of an event like this, if it was not a drill, if it was an actual event, there would be all kinds of overstimulating noises for students. How can we best keep them safe during an event of this nature while also allowing our students to be as calm as possible. I know this is a topic no one wants to discuss, but I have always been a person who would rather be as prepared as possible than not. So what are some things we as teachers can do to help our students be calm and safe during an event like this? First thing first, if you are able to try and have a calm corner set up in your room at all times, that would be ideal. Not only does it serve as a good break space for students during the year, but it can be very beneficial during this drill. If students are used to going to this space when it is time to calm down, then they will be comfortable going to this space during an event. Thinking about this, if possible, to put the calm corner as far away from the door as possible. Because remember, that's what most schools will say to do. Have your students get as far away from the door as possible. So set up your calm corner 
in a corner that is as far away from that door, if possible, in your classroom setup. Utilizing beanbag chairs so students can be comfortable is also something that can be helpful in this space because beanbags are low to the ground, which you often want students to kind of be on the floor or ducking of some sort in, in a drill like this. So have your beanbags are low to the ground, but also provide a level of comfort and familiar, familiarity for your students. Also, think about placing a bookshelf or a divider of some sorts. And you can even get like the ones, they have often cheap ones that are designed to kind of go around the corner of a space or um, that are meant for like bedrooms that kind of block off an area for you to change. Um, there's a variety of ones. So it doesn't have to be like the built-in wall ones that you'll see some school have that are very uh, bulky and expensive. There are other options. So think about placing that bookshelf or divider so it can extend outward almost as a barrier to the space. So think about it. If it's in the back corner of your room, you want those bean bags as far in the corner as you can. And then in front of those bean bags, so facing towards that door, that entry door, to put some sort of bookshelf. Because when your students are in that corner, it gives an extra barrier for them. And it also might even work as kind of getting their attention off and away from that door. So students can be hidden from view if potentially using something of that sort. In this space, I would store enough headphones and devices to entertain your students, as many as possible. This is not the time to follow behavior plans for student screen time. If music or a game calms the student, allow them to play it as long as the volume is being accessed through headphones and at an appropriate volume. Because again, we want everything to be at as quiet as possible in these situations. Another strategy to use, a voice volume chart throughout your school year. Like I've said, the more that you have things set up for students to use throughout the year, the easier it will be for your students to generalize that information into an experience like this. So I used a voice volume chart all year long while I was teaching in my classroom with students with ASD. And you can have it indicate however many levels of volume you want. I did four levels. So it would be my chart was top to bottom, so top was green. So that was kind of like your go, your go outside voice. Be as loud pretty much as you want. Blue was like a large group working inside voice. Yellow was a small group whisper voice. And red is individual work, no talking. Seek attention by raising your hand. This would be very helpful if you use this all year long because your students can go to that calm corner, put on their headphones, listen, read a book, whatever helps that student be calm. And you can quickly put that arrow down to the red level so students can know that they are now at the red level and need to have no talking. This will help your classroom to be ready and trained so that, like I said, when that chart is on red, they know that they cannot be speaking during this time. If a student begins to make noise, I would calmly redirect them to that red color on the voice volume chart. 
Having options for hand fidgets is also a good thing to have access to in the corner for something for the students to complete with their hands and keep busy. You know your student best, so if a fidget is something that will be thrown, maybe it's not the best option. Or maybe you can find an alternative option, such as kinesthetic sand or Play-Doh. You can use these even as tasks while the students are sitting to create something using Play-Doh to have students feel a sense of normalcy as if you're still doing your academics during the day, just kind of in a different space and in a different manner. Now, like I said, I'm not an expert on school safety and I do not want you to think that I am, but I do think it's important for all of us to plan so that we are setting up spaces that can keep all of our students safe. My main role as an assistive technology specialist is to give all students access to be as independent as possible. I want these students to also feel independent in an event like this and to be as calm and to not have as much anxiety as possible during these events. These are nerve-wracking for general education students too. So if you are listening to this and you're a general education teacher, these definitely might be some strategies to work with your general ed students. And if you have students with uh, behavior protocols or different abilities, it's, it's perfectly fine to try to find strategies to help all of those students because unfortunately these drills are can be scary and they can be scary to us as staff. So if they're anxiety-inducing and scary to us as staff, imagine how our students feel. And for our students who can't express verbally how they feel, imagine how difficult that is. So just like setting up your classroom for universal design for learning, you need to take a step back and look at your classroom on how it can be set up to create the most amount of safety for your students. I know there are a variety of classroom sizes, and for a small classroom, teachers may think that this seems impossible. However, it really just takes some brainstorming and creative thinking. Even if your space, your safe space, is one beanbag on the floor, but you have access to pull out a divider when needed, it can transform that one beanbag into a larger space where your students can go. I do apologize because it is unfortunate that this is a topic that is under discussion, but I know as a teacher, all teachers want their students to live a safe and happy life. For many students, our classroom is the place where they find happiness and feel safe in their lives. We need to try our best to keep our classroom as safe as possible for our students, and I encourage you to have discussions with your administration and bring up your concerns because nothing can be resolved if no one speaks up. So please take some information that you've learned today. Hopefully you were able to get something of value of it and, and start thinking about ways you can help set up your classroom space to provide a more comforting experience during these unfortunate events that we have to practice for for our kids. They are an, 
a necessary part of our school year that we have to complete with our students. So it's not something to shy away from. It's really something that we should be facing head on and figuring out ways that we can create it so that all students are able to be as safe as possible in their environments. Thank everybody so much for listening. So next week is our is my last week of this universal design series. So our first week was universal design for learning. This week was universal design for safety. And next week will be universal design for social experiences. So I hope you're able to catch that one next week. Thank you all for listening. And I hope everybody is ready to get out there, grow, learn, implement, and include. Bye.